Welcome to La Lumination with your hosts, the fabulous Jimmy LaLumia and me, Susan Faber-Gady. Come with us as we delve into the lesser-known facts about music business history and pop culture with an occasional infusion of current events as told through the lens of music. Illumination is back in action after a brief, unsanitary COVID period of time with my darling guest star hostess, Susan Faber-Gady. Back in it's action. very Looking good to be back very lovely. in the studio with you, not over Zoom. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Yes, and we're adopting a new format here where it's more in keeping with traditional talk show history. So we're going to try and catch up on pop culture because not that there's that much to catch up on since the world has been kind of immobilized. But we've lost a few people in the pandemic. I in had nothing to do with it. <laughs> You'll never prove it. <laughs> Shh, I won't tell anybody. Okay, thank you. I won't tell anybody. Ronnie Spector. Ronnie Spector. Who, as a kid, on my couch in the living room, I would go into a trance when the Ronettes would be on the Clay Cole show or American Bandstand doing Be My Baby and mm -hmm. Fabulous Ronnie Spector. And then we jump ahead to around 1976 or 77 at Max's Kansas City in Manhattan, which was my punk rock hangout. And Ronnie was actually in New York cutting an album produced by Genya Raven. And um, in fact, my friend Cherry Vanilla's guitarist boyfriend, Louis Lepore, who's also a friend of mine, actually was playing guitar uh, on a track called Happy Birthday Rock and Roll. And Ronnie was chewing off the ear of the late Laura Dean, wife of Tommy, the late Tommy Dean, who were the second owners of Max's, which we found out about um, from Peter Crowley when we did our Peter Crowley interview that the Deans acquired Max's by buying the lean from Milko and came out okay on that deal. And Laura actually has the patience of a uh, dog in heat. Um, and I loved Laura Dean. She was great, but she was a very impatient person. And Ronnie was chewing her ear off. So she pointed at me, and I was writing for magazines. I think she told Ronnie, because Ronnie was trying to push this new album, that I was somebody that could do something. So suddenly Ronnie Spector is at the bar and I had had a few drinks and suddenly she's, I don't want to say hitting on me, but it sure felt like that. And um, Whoa. I felt very, very awkward because yeah. I remember being the five-year-old or six-year-old, seven-year-old kid watching the Ronettes and suddenly here's the lead Ronette becoming very, very friendly uh, at the bar at Max's. So that's my... That's my Ronnie Spector story. Wow. But yeah, true queen of pop music, the golden age of rock and roll, the Ronettes, God bless Ronnie Spector. When I worked at Sam Goody's in the 1970s as a manager, when record sales were enormous, one of the most enormous moments at Sam Goody for me, besides the Elvis Presley thing, was Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Mm. who we also lost recently. And I remembered Meatloaf. Wasn't that just like a week or two ago that he passed away? 
It was fairly recent. Yeah. 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 Wow. I I don't really have a death diary. Maybe I'll get one. That could be in that could be a thing. No, you don't need to, to have to a keep death track. Diary. But I remembered when I was on Motown's mailing list in the early 70s because I talked everybody into believing that I was this very influential writer when all I was doing was writing for the college newspaper and then eventually good times getting a record from white artists because Motown had signed a few people who were white. There was a duo called Stony and Meatloaf. It was a male and female duo. And people aren't aware of that. I didn't even mention, see that mentioned I didn't know that. anywhere in any of the obits for Meatloaf. Right. But if you go online and Google, you will find out that Meatloaf was originally part of a duo on Motown's Rare Earth label. Because they had a band called Rare Earth who did a cover version of Get Ready, the old Temptations song. And I just want to celebrate another day of living. Uh-huh. And that was Motown moving into the rock area ah. with their rare earth label named after that band. And part of that was Stoney and Meatloaf. So Meatloaf fans, you're learning something new today. If you didn't know, Stoney and Meatloaf was his first recorded adventures before oh. signing with CBS, Epic Records, and then Bad Out of Hell. Somewhere in between, he was Eddie in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right. which he's uh, remembered from uh, by a lot of people. Mm. So there has been a lot of uh, a lot of unfortunate circumstances, people passing away. But speaking of people ha- having passed away, there's a Michael Jackson musical on Broadway. What do you think about that? I don't know. I have mixed emotions about that. I'm curious if they deal with you know what. Oh. And if they don't deal with you know what and how an audience would react. I mean, Broadway, with using his catalog, which I'm sure the, whoever's controlling his catalog these days was more than happy to turn over uh, the right. rights for a, a Broadway musical because right. they know the same as Mamma Mia or any of these other things. People will be coming forever and ever just right. to hear live versions. And if they have someone who looks or sounds closely mm-hmm. to that, that's the closest they get. Right. to seeing him. But I was just curious, and I haven't heard anything about it either way. I really doubt that they're dealing with it in the show. But in the back of everybody's mind sitting in that theater, they're probably waiting to see if there is indeed any mention. So if any of you have gone to see Michael Jackson, the musical, you can leave uh, information on Facebook for La, Lume- La Lumination or uh, any of us that are on Facebook and let us know because mm. we're just kind of curious. Very curious. If yeah. the, uh, the other shoe hasn't dropped yet, as they say, if that's dealt with. But I, I really, but I mean, in the Tina Turner musical, I believe they deal with Ike and the violence. Well, but what I, makes it a little different is she's still alive. Right. Michael Jackson is Departed. That's true. So, so it, she you know, probably would have given the blessings because right. you don't really know if you're going for a Tina Turner musical if you want to have to deal with the right. violent husband right, right. situation. But that's part of the story. It is. It is. But for Michael Jackson, this is part of the story as well, although there was always a claim of innocence. Right. But, yeah, well, and then there's the whole thing at the end of his life 
with the uh, the doctor. What was his name? Uh, Conrad, somebody or other. I don't remember the name of the doctor, but there was Conrad, all so, that with the propofol. Pro I can't even remember you the know, names. Because the he had insomnia. You know, now I, I have insomnia, but I'm I'm not going to have a doctor come in and feed me some drug intravenously. Medicate to, you right, that, to the brink and beyond. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Every single night, that's got to really be very taxing on your entire body. You know, because um, right. you're just not made for that. So Unless I, you're in the music business and you're a superstar. Because no. unfortunately, many music business people, as we know, have fallen prey to that. So it's not right. an exclusive MJ thing. Right. Uh, drugs, unfortunately, have always been in show business because the expectations on someone to deliver the goods and the person being a person thinking, I can't do it, I can't do it, it's not going to work tonight. It's, so there's always been that alcohol leading to drugs, leading yeah. to God knows what, the needle in the arm. So it's, a, it's the business, that's a rough aspect of the business, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway... If anyone has seen the Michael Jackson thing and wants to comment on it, get, get a hold of us somehow and let us know, be interested, because I have no intention of going to that. I would go to the Temptations show first, because that's really Motown. I grew up with Motown and loved it mm -hmm. as much as I loved the British Invasion when I was a kid in the 60s. So seeing those guys doing the whole routine and, and those songs, I would be more prone to want to see The Temptations show on Broadway, which has been on Broadway for quite a while, so I'm assuming it's doing box office. Right, yeah. Even, even with the pandemic. Yeah. Well, everything on Broadway was affected by the pandemic for a while. Yeah. But now it's up and running. The same as the theater. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Marvel buff, as people seem to know. And I'm a movie buff, so... If there's something in the theater that I'm a film that I'm really up on seeing, I really want to see it mm -hmm. in the theater. I want to see it on the screen. I went to see West Side Story, the new version, mm -hmm. which suffered at the box office because the target audience for that is older right. and they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid. I put on a mask. I sat through it. I thought it was great. Okay. And I was deeply affected by West Side Story again as a kid. kid. Right. When it was brand new mm -hmm. in the Ronkonkoma Theater, where right. is the bowling alley now? Right. Um, so it it the nature of the composition of West Side Story, it does it just needs competent people in there. It, it's not that much mm -hmm. effort because Bernstein's work right. speaks for itself. So, but and, I and speaking of COVID, I want the audience to know Jimmy and I are both triply vaccinated. So we're, yeah, so well, you are, we're not am. we're not risking anything here. I was going to say we're dateable, but she's <laughs> not, she's not dateable. But I'm open to suggestions sometimes. But uh, but I have tested positive twice. I will admit. But not right now. But not right now. We're safe and with I'm never symptomatic. So I've never you know, I you know it's, it's a trend. I've always been trendy. I like to be. In on whatever's happening, COVID trendy, beetle wigs, disco, you know, COVID. COVID. So you know, you gotta, you gotta ride the wave. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of riding the wave, someone we've spoken about in the past, Lady Gaga, mm -hmm. has been rather prolific during the pandemic. Okay. Her team ups with the late Tony Bennett, which I watch Stephen Colbert every night, and every night lately, when they have a commercial break. 
there's like a two second clip of Gaga hugging Tony Bennett and then it goes into a regular commercial. I'm thinking about putting it up online. I don't think they're even aware of that from when they had the TV special of the two yeah, of them yeah, together, yeah. which I loved. It's I thought so, it was brilliant. It's so sad what's mm -hmm. happened to him. Oh mm -hmm. my God. But you know, I saw uh, one of the news outlets did a, a, a kind of a special on him. And uh, the, I forget who the, who the, the, the journalist was that went to Tony Bennett's home. And he was like in trying to have a conversation with him. He was totally not responsive. But then dementia. But then his pianist sat at the piano and started playing one of Tony's tunes. And Tony sprung to life and performed that song like you'd never know anything because was wrong. Because music functions separately. And as some people know, as you well know, and some people know, I am in the healthcare business as well as the show business and specialize in dementia and we found out that people that don't know their own name where they are how old they are will immediately respond to a song they know and sing every, every word. word of the song and as soon as the song is over they, they, right. they turn go back, back off into again. the dementia and yeah. music as a medicinal thing as a magical thing goes back to the dawn of time and the cave people dancing around and then the tribes with the the witch doctor and it's all music related and, and it's it's a powerful weapon. It is. Music is a spiritual adjunct while we're yeah. still and in physical form. And it stimulates the emotion, mm -hmm. the, the, the emotion center of your brain too. That music is medicinal. That. Yeah, it is. Music is medicine. It is. And it has kept me young and beautiful me beyond too. my 900 years of existence. <laughs> but anyway, so Gaga with Tony Bennett, but also Gaga Gucci, which is one of the films that I did go to the theater to see. Okay. And she's between Star is Born, which I guess you eventually saw, mm -hmm. and this. She is an actress. She there is. is no debating the fact. She has acting talent, for sure. That she is an actress. We're all actors. We spoke about something like that mm -hmm. earlier before we started. We did. Everybody is an actor, but she is an award-winning actor. And House of Gucci was just an incredible film type of thing that should be seen in the theater. Um, speaking of films, a Z100 film is about to appear mm -hmm. on um, video on demand. I don't know exactly what that means. Originally, there was going to be a theatrical gathering, even though COVID was happening already, um, I guess for the premiere, but it seems like that's just not happening. I don't know why, because films are in the theaters, but um, Z100, because there was a film about WLIR, I think, or WDRE, about the station itself, the inspiration arose for the return of Top 40 mm -hmm. to New York after it had been declared dead and gone. When 77 WABC yep. stopped playing music, Right. In 79 or 80, after mm -hmm. falling into an adult contemporary lapse where all they were playing was housewife ballads. <laughs> and they actually had stopped playing when they were still on the air. The number one single in America was a song called Black Betty. 
Woo Black Betty, Wham Balam, Woo Black Betty by, I forget what the name, uh, Ram Jam, I think was the I name. I don't remember uh, that at all. And I well, that's to, because you're in New York I, and they, uh, they I, used, were, I used to listen to, to, to WABC they Radio. They didn't play it. Oh, they didn't? It was oh, number okay. one on the Billboard chart. It was a great rock record. They wouldn't play it. They wouldn't play um, We Got the Beat by the Go-Go's. We, wow. they, they had gone to a... Well, that a, one I remember. They had a format that they went to called Adult Contemporary. Right. Meaning one step away from elevator music. One step away from milk toast. <laughs> they thought it was over. Yeah. They were over because people used to listen to WABC. When I was a kid, I would hear Strangers in the Night by Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. If it went to number one on the singles chart, they played it. And the Supremes would follow. And then the Rolling Stones would follow. And then there'd be like another middle of the road thing, but they played all the hits. Right. Hit radio works. Right. When it was announced that Z100 was coming back to New, was coming to New York, Scott Shannon had been in Florida at the time and had done stuff out in the Midwest and was a radio guy. And um, wound up in New York. And in their first ratings book, they were at the very bottom. They were like, if there was 30 stations or 35, they were like number 35. And he did this whole campaign. We're going to go from worst to first. We can't do this. New York is a hit-driven town. Come on, come on, come on. Mm. I was the only person in New York writing at the time who came out in support, said it was going to happen. Said it would work. The, the dailies. It was like friends of mine who were in the music industry. Oh, New York is, is an urban market now. That's never going to fly anymore. I said, hit music is always going to fly. Mm-hmm. Hip music is always going to fly. It's going to work. And I was in print discussing it. Um, I sent them copies and I was on the air for the, the early version of the Z Morning Zoo, which was Scott at that time with Ross Britton, Claire Stevens, and Mr. Leonard and that whole troupe. And they did indeed go in one ratings period from 39 or whatever it was to number one. And Top 40 Radio was then revitalized nationally because... The same thing was happening nationally in terms of uh, hit radio. They were deserting rock-oriented, up-tempo records and just playing housewife music. Mm. So the decision was made. And Z100 is still top, you know, it's doing quite well. Yeah. Still, Elvis Duran, who's, uh, who was on in the afternoons back then, eventually, not at the beginning, is the morning guy now and is... Right really uh, done an amazing amount of things. But uh, yeah, Mitchell Stewart, who's an award-winning filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, uh, contacted me and said, um, we're doing this film about Z100. Scott Shannon insisted that you be in the film. Wow. I mean, we're in Queens. Can you come to Queens? It's like, I'll get lost in Queens. <laughs> we got a car? Yeah, I got a car. But I, I'm, I'd be lost in Queens. So, uh, you know, we could Zoom maybe or something. So I'm at the vet's home because I was, I'm in nursing when I'm not being a fabulous star. <laughs> and my phone rings and Scott Shannon calls and says, you got to be in this movie. you got to be in this documentary. You were there at the beginning. It's like, well, you know, we'll get an Uber. They, uh, Uber, they Ubered me in. Wow, okay. They, they Ubered me nice. in. And we sat and chatted. And um, so worst to first, uh, you'll see... Um, publicity starting to appear on uh, line. Okay. And they got a bunch of people. Um, Geraldo Rivera, John Bon Jovi, who Bon Jovi broke thanks to Z100 with their very first uh, She's a Little Runaway or whatever the first single yeah, was. Yeah. 
Debbie Gibson, whose career was Taylor Dane. Oh, yeah. So you've got all these names. Geraldo Rivera, John Bon Jovi, Debbie Gibson, Jimmy LaLumia. Like, whoa. Huh? But I'm not arguing. Oh, you no. Know. No, you hey. Know. You know. Along with all of the great cast of characters, Elvis Duran, Claire Stevens, Shannon, of course, um, really did revitalize hit music because mm-hmm. the New York market had really written it off. WABC, in its final days of music, was playing maybe five records over and over and all of them were like at a death march type of a beat. They there was not. I don't even know if they even had a beat. It was all like Helen Reddy type of, oh, you know, yeah. which is fine when it's. But you're ignoring the biggest records in the country. You're ignoring your target market. Well, also at the dawn of the '80s, as Shannon arrived in New York, a thing called MTV came along. Yeah, yeah. Which then revitalized the hit market. So Z and MTV kind of side-by-side helped bring, you know, and then that huge boom in the the recorded music business. So, worst to first, uh, video on demand, Amazon Prime, look it up. It's, I believe, the middle of February, and thereafter, will be viewable. Not in the theater, it would have been nice, but Maybe at some point we'll have a special viewing or, or something, hopefully. Mm. Uh, I'd like to see it on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just curious to see it and get to see a lot of the folks who are wonderful people, Anita, Anita Bonita, Kathy Donovan, um, the, that whole early crew. I've been hearing from all of them wow. since this whole thing. Nice. And um, Mitchell Stewart, as I said, an award-winning filmmaker of these type of things, so you know it's going to be a super quality project. And Shannon, who is magic in the radio business. and um, Well, I can't wait to see it. And you know, the great thing is, I did all that at the beginning, and I was the one person at the very beginning cheerleading, and then they blew up. Some people forget about that. Yeah. Scott Shannon is not one of those people. Shannon was like, "You're gonna be in this movie. <laughs> you gotta, you, you, you're gonna get to where you gotta go. We're gonna, it's, we're gonna work it out. It's gonna be great." Because I'm, you know, I, you know, I get lost very easily <laughs> coming to our rendezvous for when we have to do the next episode of this. Yeah. So you can imagine. Yeah, lost in Queens. I'd get lost in Queens. I don't mind Manhattan taking the train locally and boom, and then you're in Penn Station and everything is numbers, 32nd, 14th. Right. Even driving in like through the tunnel, it dumps you at basically at 35th Street. So you, so you know, you know, and then you can navigate. Right. But But Queens, Queens is a little different. Bronx. um, Especially in the, like the, the Long Island city area, mm -hmm, you know, and where mm -hmm. the bridge is. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I know. And, um. It was around the same time that I was contacted about the Z100 film that a guy named Danny Garcia, who has made a series of films, including the highly acclaimed Rise and Fall of the Clash, which was out several years ago. He did the Sid Vicious, Sid and Nancy film, a film about Johnny Thunders, a film about Steve Baders, and now um, decided to do a film about the birth of punk in New York City, because it's debated where did punk first come from, mm-hmm. 
and um, the UK is always positioned, but the U I always debate if Max's hadn't played host to the Velvet Underground and the New York Dolls who planted those first seeds, mm. and Lou, of course, Lou Reed with um, the Velvets, I don't know that punk would have ever Gotten. occurred. Yeah. Um, all the, the most dramatic and over-the-top elements of punk, including Wayne County, who's now Jane, um, and Cherry Vanilla, way over-the-top, uh, risky lyric material, um, and that really, you know, at a time of that adult contemporary thing, and even rock was the Eagles and Poco and Put Me to Sleep music, you know, which is, I mean, people love that. Not, not, I mean, I appreciate the art in it, but they didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. It's what happened to Iggy and the Stooges in the 70s. Oh, my God, no way. It's called rock and roll, pal. And what you're listening to is rock, maybe, without the roll. What, you know, uh, I'm very adamant about that. So yeah. Danny Garcia called and said, you managed Jane County, you were in the Psychotic Frogs, you played Max's, you killed Disco, this and that, and the other thing, you were in the middle of all that, you got to be in this film. And we're shooting in Brooklyn or wherever. I said, I get lost very easily. <laughs> Round two, like with the Z100 thing, it was like, well, you've got a car, don't you? I said, I've heard this before. Yes, I have a car. No, I'm not getting in it. Um, <laughs> so they came out they, here. They Ubered you? They came to Suffolk County. Oh, they came to Suffolk. filmed me okay. in my backyard. And, wow. And um, when they got back, they realized that the wind blowing and all this other kind of stuff, the sound got lost. Oh, no. There was a second version because our producer, Mark Gady, actually transferred that onto disc the second time that around the interview that I did uh, with them. When they came back, because I, well, then I guess you do the movie without me. Now you've got to be in it. It was like, here we go again. <laughs> so they actually came back and we sat in my living room and went on for hours and hours and hours about the, um, the evolution of dolls and velvets and outrage and... Wayne bringing the trans thing before it was even a, a thing, thing yeah. and um, and being left out of all of these things about trans when I remember how controversial it was back in the day when he announced that he was going to become Jane. Well, it you wasn't even really so much announced, but there was visual. There was visual accoutrement <laughs> because. Um, it was, it was, you know, people I had were become shocked. Great people were friends. shocked. I had become great friends from right after seeing Wayne County at the Trucks, which was the name of the show, and the Trucks was downtown. It was a pickup place where men met with men to perform all sorts of various functions that they felt they needed to do in the backs of these big trucks. And um, so Wayne County's image at that time with the, the dildo shoes and the, I never, never even mind, but um, <laughs> was in keeping with the whole thing. And Wayne at that time had been signed to David Bowie's main man company. Mm -hmm. uh, they decided to film this performance, which the film dissipated and got lost. And it was not a pretty picture, but um, I saw Wayne County at the trucks with friends of mine. And then we became 
enormous Wayne fans, and then at a club called Rum Bottoms, uh, which used to exist, a rock club, I went downstairs and uh, backstage with Twisted Sister, who were the opening act, mm -hmm. on the steps screaming, why aren't you here to interview us? I said, because you're not Wayne County. And I kept walking. Mm. I think that's when D was still the drummer. He wasn't the front man yet. Because mm. a guy named Michael Valentine, for all you history buffs, was uh, the original lead singer of Twisted Sister. Mm. And then left to start a group called Pretty Poison. Mm. Not to be confused with, with Pretty Poison, poison who had, was a... Uh, not Poison, but there was a Pretty Poison who, during Hot 103, Hot 97 had some dance records out. It was two females. Oh. See, it's a very tangled web here. You have to really, I store all this stuff yeah. like sports enthusiasts. I forgot about though that Pretty Poison. There was, yeah, Pretty wow. Poison was the girls. Oh. I forget what their song was. They were on um, KTU at the time. But um, yeah, so, and then Miss County and I hit it off because I had written in the Suffolk County Community College music department paper, uh, the Compass, which is how I got a lot of free records and, and tickets and things with this outrageous picture of, of Miss County. Cut out this picture, hang it on your wall, worship it, blah, 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 blah. So when I was escorted downstairs to Rum Bottoms, I came down the stairs and introduced myself, hi. And Jane was like, hi. I cut out the picture. I hung it on my wall. I was so she made it very clear she had read the article. It okay. was, I felt very it was a very warming mm -hmm. thing to do. And um, from that point on we hit it off and of course I've managed her right. for years and what have you. So all of this uh, came together with Danny Garcia deciding to do this nightclubbing, the birth of punk in New York City, and picking my brain with all the stories of my adventures with all the Johnny Thunders and Cherry Vanilla and Jane and then the Psychotic Frogs and how did that come about? And then I went from going to see Max's bands to becoming a Max's band. And so that's all incorporated in there. They did come. That's scheduled um, for some time in the near future. I think possibly this year as well. So that's two. And hopefully that will, well, I know that'll, I, that'll also wind up, I guess, on Amazon Prime. I'm sure. Or I'm what sure. have you. But Danny's films usually start in Manhattan, okay. somewhere at one of the theaters, the downtown. Mm -hmm. But that's all because of COVID. There's such a hodgepodge there. But I would really like to see that mm -hmm. on a, a theatrical screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I have to clarify, because there was a little bit of back and forth, that this is not really a Max's documentary, you know, which Yvonne who we know very well, mm -hmm. has had in the works for quite a few years. Right. Um, this is Max's as the focal point for the birth of punk. Right. So uh, that's, that's coming up. So that's kind of interesting to... Uh, yeah. You know, I've been in documentaries before mm -hmm. that mostly just show up on YouTube. Right. Like the, um, there was one about... Uh, Glam Rock, I think, where uh, I'm talking about... I'm standing at the lake in Ronkonkoma talking about Lou Reed and Bowie and all of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is a bit more interesting. And, you know, um, so that's kind of been in the works for a while. Okay. Uh, both of them. So those are both coming up. Wow. And um, 
the other thing that's a bone of contention for me is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Which I just got booted off of a music journalist's uh, website because year after year, people that, in my opinion, really are not rock and roll, Get while it. the Dolls, the New York Dolls, while the MC5 and bands, Wayne County, mm-hmm. who is a breakthrough in so many ways, um, even a best supporting player type thing, but Dion Warwick, who I love, mm. Dolly Parton, I'm sorry. It's not rock and roll. Then you should just call it the Showbiz Hall of Fame. Because, yeah. and it got into a whole thing about, well, Dolly was rock and roll. I guess I must have missed that. No. When? Do- she sent, she was, I have a box, well, I have a box set of a girl group's yeah. album, and she was a singer of a girl group, and it's obscurity. It was never a hit. Okay. And she dabbled with that. That doesn't qualify her to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No. Country, Country Hall of Fame, obviously. Country Hall of Fame. Definitely. Um, and she's one of my favorites. Don't get me wrong. Me I too. love her. I love her and I love Dionne Warwick. Right. Dionne oh. Warwick singles in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, right alongside Beatles and Stones and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the early version of the heavy bands mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like Music Machine and all that. But then Dionne would come along with, um, uh, You'll Never Get to Heaven If You Break My Heart. and. Right. Um, you know, just great singles, great, right. great records. But they're not. But rock, rock and, and roll, roll Hall of Fame. Maybe eventually, when they've run out of the people <laughs> that should be in, right. that are ignored every year, right? They have the fan favorites vote, and they'll list the Dolls and the MC5 on there. But nationally, a lot of those kids never were exposed to them, right? And they're not being exposed to them at the moment via a way that they could be exposed to them by being entered into where they belong. Right. The Dolls, especially, MC5 as well, but the Dolls with that birth of punk, new wave, not so much new wave because the Dolls were too hard. They were a harder sound than what new wave is. As people, Oh, Dolls were new wave. No, they were not new wave. Relook up your terms. Go back to, to pop music school and then come back and talk to me. But definitely punk was influenced. There is no greater example of the Dolls being an influence on the birth of punk. Malcolm McLaren, who was a sassy, frassy um, fashion designer, came over with Vivian Westwood, who went on to become a big fashion person, to manage the New York Dolls in America. He was the tail end of management for the Dolls, who in many ways were unmanageable, especially my dear late friend Johnny Thunders. And Jerry Nolan got into heavy things that they shouldn't have gotten into mm. that caused them to become basically unmanageable. But Malcolm paid very close attention to the outrage that they would cause, the controversy that they would cause, made his notes, saw them implode, but saw that they got press, saw that they got headlines and that they got a record deal. Malcolm went back to the UK and made his own dolls. They were called the Sex Pistols. Vivian had her shop called Sex, which was a fashion shop mm-hmm. where a young Johnny Rotten and a young Sid Vicious all hung out. And Malcolm just kind of picked them out, even though Sid couldn't, was really not a musical person, but was a very in-your-face person. Rotten could carry a tune when he wanted to. Steve Jones, the guitarist, 
were recruited afterwards. But Malcolm McLaren basically, after getting booted by the Dolls, decided he was going back to the UK and create his own version of the New York Dolls. Sex Pistols at that point, just as that scene was coming together, and Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers had gone to the UK, Cherry Vanilla went to the UK, where Miles Copeland hitched a ride for his brother's band, The Police, by having them as Vanilla's opening act, mm. and then coming back out as her bass player, Sting, mm. and uh, drummer, because all she had with her was her boyfriend, Louis, on uh, guitar, and Zecca on keyboards. Mm. So there was this whole coalescing of um, the New York scene bleeding over into the UK, because Miles Copeland came and recruited Vanilla and County to go to England and arranged everything with Peter Crowley in terms of uh, Miss County. That all belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. That Those are pivotal things. And the Dolls influencing the Sex Pistols, being responsible for the Sex Pistols, who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, way ahead of the Dolls even being considered, except on this yearly fan vote, mm. which they never get. Right. I mean, they have Fela Kute on there, who, whose uh, drums, African drums record is seen as an influence. But I would think the Dolls would be in be before Fela Kute, although he probably belongs in there as well. There are mm. other names on there. Um, but really, Dolly Parton, I mean, let's go. She's great, not rock and roll. Yeah. And then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for all of you who booted me off of the uh, musicians' Facebook page, they don't belong. And if you think that they do belong, then maybe you should become a milk delivery person or something because you're definitely barking up the wrong tree. You have no clue what you're talking about. You weren't involved and participated in the history, as some of us did. So stick to what you know and go around mowing people's lawns. I'm sure it's a very lucrative thing. <laughs> In the COVID era. No, I agree with you, Jimmy. I absolutely so, do. I absolutely do. There you, know, you go. Let's, you know, let's let's keep the facts straight. Right. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. And you know, and don't celebrate ignorance. Right. Because by negating MC5, by negating the dolls, even the Marvelettes. Now. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas are in there, and they belong in there. The Supremes with Diana Ross are in there. They belong in there. Barry Gordy's first number one national record, the, I think probably the first number one black performed pop record to go on the Billboard Hot 100, was Please Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes. Yes. It put Motown on the map. Mm -hmm. It was a groundbreaker. They went on to have many more wonderful, wonderful records that became big hit records. Um, so their continued not even showing up on the fan vote thing. It's, they've just been like swept to the side. I don't think Gordy's being very verbal about it because I think there was some infighting behind the scenes. But that does not alter history. That does not alter the fact that the Marvelettes should have been in um, a very long time ago, and they're not even discussed now, but they're talking about Dolly Parton. Then maybe the Marvelettes should be in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Maybe we should mm. campaign for that. Mm. So, I mean, it's, you know, welcome to showbiz. <laughs> um, and then, mm. then that begs the topic, 
As far as rock, does rock still exist anymore? Or who's the big hot rock band at the moment? There that's really are through? no rock stars in the most traditional sense of the words rock star. And there's not even uh, a port for them to be heard. No, really, no, there isn't. Because FM album rock is playing music from a thousand years ago. Years ago, right. And for us, it feels like a thousand years ago. For me, it feels like a thousand years ago. And current bands, many um, who come from a punk place and some who come from a speed metal place, they're not being played on there because they, they feel... That it's that it's not um, it's not going to appease their audience. Well, you don't you don't know what is going to appease your audience. Um, when Elvis was big, nobody knew that we would flip for these guys from England right. with a very different look and a very different sound. And while they were big, nobody knew that we would eventually fall for albums that had one song dominate. The entire side of an album, right. as in, per example, Inagata de Vida by Iron Butterfly taking up 30 minutes of an album side. Mm. Um, nobody knew that that would eventually be curtailed by glam and glitter and platform shoes and Bowie and T-Rex and mm. Lou Reed and all these, you know, unsavory type of characters. Or, but there was a conveyance back then. There was a way for that to continue. And those conveyances seem to be gone. MTV now is Jersey Shore. And um, the stunts of the guys getting hit in the head with a cannonball and all this nonsense. <laughs> right. So it's very difficult for kids that go and still take guitar lessons and learn how to play Van Halen riffs. That's shout out to Dave R there. So we got that in there. For, <laughs> The, 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 uh, the Van Halen reference, but um, it, it's kind of like a dead-end street. There's just no... And then they complain. Where's all the, the rock music? Well, where are the conveyances to make it available? Exactly. You're, you're shutting those doors, and then you're crying about it so you can keep playing the same records from a thousand years ago right. over and over. Right. Yeah. If you want if you want rock stars, you have to give them the support they need to become there has to, to be to, an to environment. Rise to that yeah. level. That, right, exactly. There has to be an existing environment. And there's no existing environment. I mean, there's always been pop music. Right. And rock used to make its way into the pop yeah. scene. I mean, because that was that period before, for example, WABC at the end. Right started eliminating guitar. Uh, Black Betty is the great example from Ram Jam, but it wasn't the only one. And then, um, like I said, at the dawn of the new wave, Go-Go's We Got the Beat, which was a chart topper, was not played on hit radio in New York. Yeah. It was So they're complaining about the diminishing audience, but you've cut off the audience that walks around with the radios in their hands at, back then. Yeah. The transistor radios or the little boombox things or whatever the case may be, you've cut them off because you 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 think they're going to want to hear Helen Reddy and there's got to be a morning after by Maureen McGovern exclusively. Beautiful records. Beautiful, yeah, it was one of my favorites back back. Beautiful in the day, records, but... but when it's that as the entire diet, no. I don't know many 13 year old kids. Um, maybe back at the dawn of the century, because the black influence that led to rock and roll didn't happen yet. Right. 
And even then, that was influencing um, Al Jolson and what have you. But uh, it, it's just, it's something needs to kick in where youth-oriented yeah. music, mm -hmm. besides Olivia Rodrigo, who I love, and I'm sorry that she keeps driving down his street, <laughs> and but he's with somebody, whatever, whatever the lyric line is there, mm -hmm. uh, I, I drive down your street alone, or whatever, I drive past your street alone. I think she's brilliant, I mean, and she's had a great succession, and uh, one song, which is actually more punk-ish, I forget what the, uh, the other song is called, um, Good For You, or Goodbye To You, or something with you. Something like that, yeah. Um, about that the guy that left her, says so she's driving down the street alone, got screwed over by the current girlfriend, and so she's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and it's rocking. It's more rocking than Olivia Rodrigo has to bring the rock. I mean, I'm glad she did. Thank you, Olivia. But uh, it's very sad when yeah. that's where we're at. That is you know, where we're at. That's where we're at. You know, and that's why there are really no, no rock stars today like we had back in the day. And that creates the excitement. It does. Ballads are lovely. Ballads they are beautiful. They have their place. They have their Date place, night but stuff, but not really generating excitement mm -hmm. in terms of Beatles excitement. In yeah, terms no, you don't of get even you know, in a Bay life. City Rollers. I mean, I'll settle for the Bay City Rollers because at <laughs> least it was rock based foundation right. um, for the singles. Right. So. Right. You know, at, at a concert, the, the, the singles that get the crowd going the most are the ones that rock. You know, the exactly. ballads are nice, right, but yeah. you, you can't do a whole concert of ballads. It just... Well, Helen Reddy can. Well, Helen, yeah. <laughs> Is she still around? I don't know. I'm sorry if she's not around anymore. Um, I, don't I don't recall. I'll have to look that up now. Yeah, so many people either. have passed away that... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking her. You know, uh, I Am Woman was my favorite record in 1972, 73, whatever it was. It was 72 because Amazing. Lillian Roxon, who um, was writing the Sunday Daily News column and was a benefactress of mine, as was the late Gloria Stavers from 16 Magazine. And Lillian did an entire Sunday Daily News because she used to have the full page, right. the pop music page, um, about I Am Woman. And, you know, the role it played in women taking a stand and saying, I'm a person too, I have rights too, I'm not just your, uh, you know, drag around uh, doll, yeah, you know. That was, that was really my personal theme when I was good, 12. Good, good, good. Well, yeah, there you yeah. go. It was, it was you but know. rock and roll it ain't. <laughs> Let's face it. In the political context of rock and roll, just as like give peace a chance, it, so... It actually was kind of rock and roll in a political kind of way because prior to that, the the lady is supposed to be seen and not heard, not heard and know. trailed behind the guy, you know, and stay at home, and you know, or just speak when spoken to mm. and not before, and that kind of blew that out of the water right with a water. with a pop record yeah, that yeah. was heard on the radio constantly. I wore I wore the single out. That's how much yeah. I played it. It was a yeah. political it was a political statement, really. It was. Pers personal politics. It was. But it was a political statement. I and am. you're not even getting any of that really anymore um, in terms of uh, what you hear on the radio. Mm. It's more the the fem the female oriented records and they're kind of almost retreating into that and now I drive down the street, but without you, boo-hoo. So find another guy. Well, you know, maybe find a girl. Try, 
take a chance on the other side. Maybe I'll get better luck. Um, it's kind of it's kind of sad, uh, and I don't think there's the same as a result the same interest in music from the very young. Um, I'm surrounded uh, by uh, nieces and nephews and young, and they know the hits on WBLI locally mm-hmm. or Z100 in New York, but it's not that same type of where you're wearing your hair a certain sort of way or a particular type of outfit or have a particular type of attitude um, that's reflective of the pop culture. Right. It's a different kind influencing of Influencing you. Yeah. Yeah. Our, you know, our generation had a different, I'll call it, brand of listenership. And well, also, it, we were it, waiting we for... We reflected wh- it. Right. We reflected it in, uh, you know, the way we talked, the way we dressed. Right. You know, the places we went. We, and it was constantly... We became it. It was constantly changing mm-hmm. because we were, I know, I was always waiting for what's next. Because mm-hmm. after Elvis had burnt out, we had the British invasion. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Bowie arrives in a flash of lightning and mm-hmm. is like, wow. Mm-hmm. And then so there were those who ran away and those who completely embraced. Right. And what's next? And suddenly punk rock makes Bowie look like granddad sitting at the, at, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no what's next now. It's what's next for Olivia Rodrigo. She's going to sing about her old boyfriend again, or this time she'll sing about the new boyfriend waiting for him to become the old boyfriend. I mean, that's not exactly the same type of stimulant Mm -hmm. that we had for decades um, as it kept changing and it Mm -hmm. kept evolving. And there was the the stimulus products like MTV Mm -hmm. and hit radio playing all the hits back at the time when they did, unless it was a really scandalous record. And even then, we would raise an uproar, which I did with um, Ohio okay. by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young after I had interviewed Cousin Brucey and then called because it had become a top 10 single, Tin Soldiers and Nixon Coming. Mm-hmm. And I could understand radio, which is reliant on uh, approval for their license from the government, mm-hmm. maybe not, but you could have edited maybe that line out. Yeah, the uh, FCC rules govern everything well, in terrestrial radio. They, they, yeah. they were frightened, but, uh, but they did play Give Peace a Chance. They did mm-hmm. play um, lots of you know, things that were, if it was a hit, they wanted to play it. Right, right. Well, because if it was... Except for Space Oddity by David Bowie. Because if it was a hit, (laughs) then they knew people would tune in. Right. And that keeps advertisers spending their dollars on that station. Well, also, the kids are going to remain interested. Right. And radio back then was in the car. Right. So the kids are in the car, and they're controlling. Yep. And so they're going to go, at that point, to WMCA in New York, which is, I don't even think exists anymore. No. And played more newer stuff, but you couldn't really get the signal out here as well. Right, yeah, no. So we settled for WABC. Right. And, um... Yeah, that's when when I... And so you got out of bed and you had your transistor radio in your head. I I, I was known for walking down the streets and then the larger 
The boombox. The boombox. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know. And, and then the Walkman came along. Well, by that point, I was. But then w, ABC was off the air of the, by uh, then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the Walkman also competed with radio. Yeah. Because you could walk around with the tunes that you wanted to hear. Right, exactly. And prior to that, prior to the cassette, prior to all of that, radio ruled because. There was no alternative. Right, there was no alternative. You could right? stay at home and just play your records over and over. Right, and it, and it really sparked record sales because everything that you liked, that you heard on the radio, you wanted to you went, own. You, wanted you went to, looking for that you want, record. You wanted a copy of it. Yeah. You want, so that, that was, you could hear it anytime you wanted to. You didn't have to wait for the radio station to play it. And that exactly. was part of the thrill of being a music fan. Right. Did you get to the store in time to get that very last copy of that new single that ever? Yeah. You know, and sometimes you got there and it was gone. Yep. When and then I, that made you want it even more. When I was more. a kid, every Friday night, my mother would drive my brother and I mm -hmm. um, to May's department store in Massapequa. They had a big record section. Right. And we would be there, we'd like for a couple of hours, <laughs> you know, and we'd leave with a whole bunch of records. Right, every right, right. Friday night. And they'd night. have the uh, chart thing there yeah, with yep. the, uh, the top yep. 50 and, yep. you, you know. Yeah. And, and so you were, you participated. You we had did. physical yeah. objects and print and things, you know. Right. And so, of course, you're drawn in more. And now they, I mean, now they can go online, but online is not holding. It's, the, not, the, like, it's, not, it's not like when you walk in. The physicality. In, right. It's not like when you walk into your bedroom and, and the record is sitting right there. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? And the booklet is right there. Exactly. It, you know, it, it requires an extra step. Oh, now I've got to boot my computer and up. You have and, to, I, and I've got to go on the website. Right. And, and then I, I have to access that piece of content. And it's and, not the same enjoyment as turn the record player on. Right. And then you check the needle and you make sure. Right. You know, and then if you want to play it over right. and over, you keep moving it back again. Yep. And it's more physical. And you're looking at the you're booklet, part the, of liner, the, you know, yeah. the liner notes and everything. Turning on oh. your phone, turning on Spotify. Oh, you just, I, you know, today's kids just don't know what they what they missed. Mm -hmm. They really don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like the convenience of Spotify. Are we in a time zone, by the way? We're checking with our production team here. Um, oh, he's like, soon. he's like, oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> without getting into politics, because as you know, and as we've said in the past, we really don't get into politics. No, we don't. Except when only it's in, privately. When it's involved in music. When sometimes. we're not taping this show. And one one time where politics is involved in music is a current raging debate about Spotify running a um, podcast by someone who it's not even political. It's actually realistic about COVID, which is what caused us to not have a show for a while. And Except have over Zoom, things yeah. to talk about uh, for someone's saying that uh, don't get a vaccine, right. don't wear a mask. Uh -huh. I don't think that's politics. I think that's common sense. And so people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and various other people joining on the bandwagon have elected to say, get my music off of Spotify. Mm -hmm. I do not want to be. On the same program, on the same programming. As and, that. Yeah. As that. And yeah. then one of my favorite things was seeing uh, Neil Young has threatened to take his music off. Yeah. Joni Mitchell has threatened to take his music off. Yoko Ono has threatened to put her music on Spotify. <laughs> Did you see that? You didn't see that? <laughs> Yoko Ono has threatened to. We love you, Yoko. I am a big Yoko fan, oh. but I thought that was hysterically yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we need bigger names. 
that are you know more on the the forefront of today's youth to say I'm pulling my music. Well, off let me Spotify. just say this without being political. I am and always have been extremely anti-censorship. Mm-hmm. Now that's a two-way street. It is. If Joe Rogan wants to make these statements and has an audience, and they're foolish enough to listen, right? He has the right to make those statements. He do- he doesn't have the right to incite people to go out and and share the disease, but at the same time, he does have a right to express his opinion, whatever the motivation is, because right. uh, censorship is a very scary road once you start it going is. down that road. Here's my problem with people who are against the vaccine. Kids today, babies, get something like 32 vaccinations before the age of two. What, where are you in those 32 vaccinations that you're not objecting to them? You know, this, and I think the problem here is that people don't understand how this vaccine was developed. That this is the most high-tech vaccine we've, that mankind has ever known. And the way, basically the way it was made was with a computer model of the virus's DNA. It was, but it, it, it doesn't have magnetic things in it. And keys are not going to stick Tracking to you. Devices Tracking devices. Tracking device. It's yeah, a vaccine. Science fiction movie it stuff. Better yeah. in the, is it going to wipe out the disease entirely? No, no vaccine does. Right. You know, I mean. Well, people don't really get polio that much anymore. No, they don't. Uh, they don't get tuberculosis exactly. that much so anymore, but may, I did. So maybe. It, I did. It, oh, wow. I didn't know. I had dormant what? tuberculosis back in 2006. Wow. And I think the way I got it was in 98 when my brother was hospitalized, uh, they try, illegally um, made a double room out of his single room. I won't say which hospital. Uh, it's no longer open. <laughs> and maybe we know why. And they wheeled a patient in uh, on a gurney who had been brought over from a local prison. And he had been treated for tuberculosis. They claimed he was clean. But on his way in, they had the curtain drawn around my brother. I'm sitting by the door. So that curtain closing created a very kind of enclosed space by the door. They wheel this guy in. And he's facing me, and he lets out this cough from hell. And Exposure, was, yeah. Well. Yes, and it made me like go like this around the curtain and say to my brother, what's this guy got TB? And, well, um, eight years later, um, I had to have a PPD test, and it came, it came back positive for tuberculosis. Wow. It was not active. Thank God I went to a pulmonologist. The x-ray showed it wasn't active. Right. But I had to be treated for it. The same way you treat someone who's actively, you know, have the, has the active disease. Right, right. So, you know, um, so vaccines are not 100% effective and you can't ever expect them to be. But what they do is, and you're a case in point, you're vaccinated, you've tested positive for COVID. Twice. Right. But you have not gotten sick and you have not ended up in the hospital on a respirator. And that's the whole point. Right. You know what I mean? The only way life is going to get back to normal is when we don't have hundreds of thousands of people in the hospital simultaneously on respirators. Right. 
making it hard for people. Like a f- good friend of ours recently had to have five stents put in. He found out he had oh, boy. he had uh, ninety one artery was blocked. Ninety five percent, one eighty five percent, one eighty percent, and so he had, they put five stents in him. Now, had that happened just a couple of weeks later, when the real peak of the Omicron variant hit, they probably. God only knows if they wouldn't have been able to to accommodate his surgery, right. his, his procedure to put those stents in. Boy, oh boy. Exactly. So come on, everybody. Let's get smart here and let's conquer this damn thing. It's really not that hard if you really, you Let's know, do it, folks. Well, See, we're really. Timely. We're dealing with timely issues here. Timely issues. In the illumination. Are we... All right. We, now, the, now our producer is saying, okay, wrap it up. Well, <laughs> needless to say... Neither one of us are afraid to express our opinions. No. And Lalumination is back. It is back. Despite COVID and despite all what we and just we talked about. And we will continue to do episodes live because as we go forward, we will continue to get boosted if that's right. required. Except the episode's not live, so hold your phone calls. But we're taping live. <laughs> Yes, we're we are. not doing we're the episode live, so right, I you don't. Can, you so. can, you can, send Well, actually, us. you can't call me right now, anyway, because we're not broadcasting live. So just never mind that. <laughs> but after the show is over, you can visit us on the web at www.lalumination.com, and you can send us a message through the website. And uh, you can catch we, we post ep- our episodes on the site and also on YouTube, so you can catch us there. And find us on social media. We're not hard to find. Exactly. And, and compliment uh, me on my new hairdo. It's lovely. Compliment me on my Lex Luthor Lumia. <laughs> Lex Luthor Lumia. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I will get you, Superman. I'm going to escape this time. So anyway, have a great time. Watch for the Z100 film. Yes. And yes. we'll see you next time we'll around. We'll see you next time on the this is the fabulous Jimmy LaLumia. Thank you for listening to LaLumination. If you like what you're hearing, you can watch the full video episode on YouTube. Just search for the LaLumination channel or visit the website www.lalumination.com. That's the end of this song. 96